Anchor FM is one of the best ways to make and distribute your podcasts. Their online creative tools can allow you to make your podcasts from home and on the go. Anchor will also help you get your podcast sponsored with no minimum listenership and help you make money while doing your podcast. And distribution is the easiest thing ever. I've used many different distribution sites. Anchor so far has been the best. And they can get you on every major distribution site out there. They can take your RSS feed, whether you're creating a new one or if you're just moving a show from another platform, sign up for Anchor at anchor.fm now. And when you get there, Make sure you pay attention to everything they tell you to do, and they'll help make your podcast great and help make you some money. Again, head on over to Anchor.fm now. Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can't Jump as a part of the Wide Men Radio Network. This hoop show is for all listeners, casual and diehard. We examine all things basketball with points from experts from all over the country and different news sites and sports organizations that cover the NBA. This show is brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, Cambay.com, and by Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. This show is a member of the Wide Men Radio Network located at widemencantjump.com where you can access our blogs, among other things, as well as our store. You can also check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash widemencantjump. Be sure to tune in to all of our different shows on the Wide Men Radio Network. But now to the flagship program. Let's take it away with this episode of Wide Men Can't Jump. What's up, what's up? It's Wide Men Can't Jump. We're back. It's episode 88 here on the Wide Men Radio Network. It's Nate, and of course I'm joined by the one and only, the angriest Canadian I've ever met in my life from the Great White North. It's Tim Dombrova. Welcome aboard, my good Canadian brother. Screw you, Nate Bush. Screw me, screw you. Saying I have a temper. Yes, I'm saying you have a temper. You and yeah, your cousin exactly. Frank. Oh, Flynn Frank. No, Frank from Flynn Flynn. That's a totally different story. <laughs> <laughs> Frank is a man. Who knows man, that right? guy? <laughs> totally different. There you, there you have it. O Canada plays right. about 17 years too late, but nevertheless. Story of the country. Story of the country. Absolutely. But here got, we are. I got a little something, something for you, Nate, once you're done with the Go interview. ahead. No, no, when you're done with the intro. Go ahead. Okay. Well, you're listening to episode 88, and now I'm done with the intro. Go ahead, Tim. I got a little, uh, we got we got a few minutes to kill, correct, before our first guest? Absolutely. Uh, is that, that to my understanding? All right, I got, yeah. I, got a little, I, got a little, I got a little quiz for you. Okay. A little, little quiz. Uh, uh, we'll see how many of these you can get. And uh, Okay, quiz me. Uh, and, and we'll go from there. It's the, okay. the category. The category. Is uh, NBA uh, steals leaders all time? Okay. All right. Uh, so, uh, start naming. You name them, oh, I'll God. tell you where they fall. You name all them, times. I'll tell you where they fall. Or if they're on the list, <clears throat> we'll, we'll stick in the tough. top twenty. God, that's tough. Um, when uh, I look at the names, there's there's probably not a name on here. You you don't know. Like there's no surprises really, name wise. These are all fairly big names. 
I would I would assume John Stockton is on there. John Stockton is number one by a significant okay. by a significant. I thought he margin. would be. I thought he would uh, be. Thirty-two hundred and sixty-five career steals. Damn, That's a lot of steals. Uh, Six hundred more than the next guy. Okay, um, Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson surprisingly is twenty-first on the list. Really, hmm. seventeen hundred and twenty-four. All right. Okay. Now um, don't. Now, don't say Cadillac Anderson, because he's, of course, uh, he didn't steal anything. He tried to sell cocaine. That's different. Well, you do what you got to do. I mean, yeah, I <laughs> it is what it is. Um, Steel's leaders is tough, man. That is a tough uh, let one. Let me see here. Let me think of some, uh, uh, well, of course, uh, the greatest player of all time, regardless of which way you go. They're both on the list. Okay, Michael Jordan and LeBron James, clearly, then. Okay. Yeah, okay. Michael Jordan is third, and LeBron is at 16. Way behind. Okay. Uh, 1,937. Uh, Michael Jordan, 2,514. Yes. Well, in that case, I'd have to put Kobe up there. Uh, Kobe is, uh, yes, is 15th, just ahead of LeBron. 1,944. Okay. Okay. Uh, let me see. Um, I'll start giving. I'll start giving you some hints. Uh, this, is, this will be an easy one. The, the glove. Oh, Gary. Of course, Gary Payton. Gary Payton. Um, uh, okay. Uh, uh, always played number two fiddle to Michael Jordan. <laughs> Scotty Pippen. All right, sixth. Scotty Pippen. Uh, Gary Payton fourth on the list. Uh, Scotty Pippen okay. sixth. Sixth on the list. Mm-hmm. Twenty twenty three hundred steals. Pretty impressive. Uh, that is actually. Uh, this guy, I believe, might have played for the Seventy Sixers at one time, and uh, his name would be a, a, a euphemism for "we want more ass," I guess you could say. We want more ass. <laughs> yeah, more ass. Yeah. It's a bit of a stretch, but my, mo my cheeks. There we go. Hey. <laughs> What's worse is that I figured it out. I think that's what's worse. All right. Now, at, at, at number seven, we have um, the Glide. Everybody knows that. Oh, Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler. And at number okay. eight, we've got... Uh, Oh, okay. A, a real tall dude. Oh, boy. In the NBA, that narrows it down. An extremely tall dude, but not uh, not the one you'd be thinking. Not my new ball? No, I'm kind of surprised that this guy's on the list for steals. To be Yao honest. Ming? No. Try again. Hmm. Uh, the Rockets. That's too easy now. Hakeem? Elijah one? Hakeem Olajuwon at 2,162 steals. You know, he was really good at, on the defensive end. Uh, could do a lot with his back to the basket. So, not surprising, only, but, but the only uh, big maybe. Man, only big man on the list, though. You know, Chamberlain, you know, all those kind of guys. Not, not uh, Ab- 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 Jabbar, none of those guys on the list. 
Mm. So he must have had a little more to his game than uh, he did. He did. Uh, Elijah was very uh, underrated. Than the average very guy. good player. All right, uh, moving on. Um, uh, the only uh, only one of two guys on this list is still active. On the other one being LeBron James. Oh, sorry, three in the top twenty-five. Uh, it was just recently traded. Russell Westbrook. Really incorrect. Incorrect. Okay, recently traded, then uh, Chris Paul. Traded. Chris Paul, 2,122 steals. Mm, yeah. Um, Paul's had a nice long career, so that makes a lot of sense. Has, uh, number 10, I know the name, but I don't really know that much about him except that he was a pretty kid. I can't really come up with a clue for him. Albert, Alvin Robertson. Yeah, I wouldn't have got that one. Uh, at number 11, played for Rachel Miller's favorite team. But never won a goddamn thing. Carl Malone? Carl Malone. There we go. Man, I forget how loaded the Jazz were back in the 90s. 85 steals. Yeah, I mean, that's, you'd think, you know, two two guys on that team, you know, 5,200 steals between them playing at the same time. Yeah, and then, of course, don't forget they had Jeff Hornacek, Byron Russell, Greg Ostertag. I mean, they had a they had a nice yeah. team in they Utah really in the nineties. It was they the nineties really saw a lot of players who everybody looked at and we all said, Oh, this team's really good, this team's really good. You know, they've got great players, but Michael Jordan, I mean, that's really yeah. That's yeah. it. I'm afraid so. Okay, then we got uh oh, sounds like uh, Cookie Monster. His first like name, anyway. His first, his first name sounds like Cookie. Mm. A little bit. I kind of screwed that up because it's, it's not really. Oh yeah, sure it is. Uh, I don't know <laughs> who he played for. I know that's another guy. I know his name, but Mookie Blaylock is number twelve. Mookie Blaylock. Okay. Uh, then we got at thirteen. We've got uh, Tom Robinson's favorite player, and I mean that seriously, or one of his favorite players, Doctor so, J. So I think 76ers. Uh, newer than that. Okay, newer than that? Uh, I don't know. Um, newer than that, maybe Allen Iverson? Allen Iverson, correct. Okay, okay. Uh, All right, I'm getting it. Then we got another uh, another part, part-time part Chicago Bull. I know he played for the, I believe, the Lakers, too. Either before or after. I think after you play for the Lakers. Um, Dennis Rodman? Uh, no. Uh, Ron Harper. Uh, oh, no. Okay, no, I've got that wrong. I've got the wrong. I've got the wrong Harper. It's a Harper, but not wrong. Dennis Hopper, not Dennis Hopper, not Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Dennis Hopper. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> oh, oh God! Uh, greatest point guard of all time. Yeah, thank you, Josh. And when he came in with that chainsaw, it was over. <laughs> Dennis Hopper. Oh God! Hopper's little-known twenty-year NBA career. Silent, but deadly, Dennis Hopper. Absolutely, Derek. Uh, Ar- got- That's what I meant, but it came out. I was listening to something the other day, and they were talking about Dennis Hopper, and. That's where that came from. So, forgive me on that. Then we one. got uh, then we had Kobe and LeBron. Then uh, we've got probably the one of the best D- uh, Detroit Pistons ever to play. But Isaiah Thomas. Worst, 
the one of the worst managers and coaches in the history of the game, I swear to God. Um, yeah, so there, Thomas. At 18, your hero. Kevin Garnett. Kevin Garnett. At 19, uh, geez, I don't know who he played. He might have played for the 76ers, too, for a bit. Um, Sean Marion. Oh, Sean Marion. Yeah, Sean Marion had a nice long career. Yeah, he's, he's at number 19. At number 20, um, I want to say uh, Celtic, at least, and then I don't know before that. Uh, first name, last name, both start with the same letter. Hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll even give you the letter. The letter is P. Letter is P? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, he was a Celtic? I, I think so. I might be wrong on that, but... Uh, hold on. Don't don't tell me this one. Um, going through my list of Celtics here. Uh, oh, Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. Paul okay. Pierce, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> Took yeah, me a 21, second. At 21, Magic. At 22, the stupidest name in basketball. That is not the guy's name. He's infamously known for punching out the wrong guy at the mouse. Meta World mouse. Peace. Meta World Peace, <laughs> correct. Uh, at 23, we had the aforementioned Ron Harper. All right. Nah, Ron. Not, not, not Dennis Hopper. It's Ron Harper. No. Here's a, well, in that case, it's what? Uh, who's the director? Ron Howard. Yeah, Ron Howard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, 24. Here's the, here's the clue. You and I both have a lot of it on our bodies, and you for the first name, and the last so, name um, you could uh, it's a it's a something you would use to control somebody. Now I've never heard of this guy. It must be back. It'll be Harry. Of course, it's Harry. I'm assuming. No, 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 no. Even more, oh, okay. more, more, more literal than that. Uh. We are wide men, correct? Well, we are the wide men, so fat. So we, so we have, <laughs> his first name is Fat. That is correct. Fat hypnosis? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that name. The guy's name <laughs> you is, said control. The guy's, yeah. Well, I meant more literal than that. The guy's name is Fat oh, okay. Lever. Fat Lever. Fat, fat Lever. I don't recall fat that Lever. name. L-L-E-V-E-R, 1,600 steals. It must be like back in the 20s or 30s or something like that. Because I've Fat never heard Lever. of that name. I, you that's know, that's not, a, that's not a name that rings a bell. Um, we'll have to look that one up. And then that can't be his real right? name. That cannot be his real name. Then Hold on, I'm going to find out about this. Okay, here he is. Here he is. I found him. I found him. Uh, he actually... Uh, Lafayette Liver or Lever, I guess. Fat was his nickname. I uh, began his NBA laugh. career in 1982. Never fucking heard of him. Played 1982 to 1984 for the Portland Trailblazers, from 84 to 90 for the Nuggets, and then finished his career from 1990 to 94 with the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, oh, was on the U.S. Uh, gold medal team, national team in 1979. How was he that What's good up? that we've never, never heard of him? Well, I'll be honest. Tr would probably know him better than I would, 
because you got to remember, I was just born around that time. Okay, um, I was you young know, when he played, you were just but uh, born when, uh, let's go ahead here. Playing, so. Yeah, well, that's good. let's that's go ahead. Good. We we've got a we've got our guest on the line here. Let's go ahead and bring him on. Uh, on. We want to go ahead, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome our guest at this time, Hunter Atkins from the Houston Chronicle. We're going to discuss and break down the recent trades. Hunter, thank you for coming on and joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. It's a pleasure, but I, I thought I was coming on to talk about wrestling. Oh well, I mean, <laughs> are, are we are, are we not going to talk about extreme rules? Well, I mean, we can bring it up if you'd like to. Would you Would you like to, sir? Oh, uh, listen, I, this is this is my real passion, guys. You know, we could talk about Russell Westbrook and the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni and his contract drama, but uh, I figured everybody's going to want to talk about. The uh, uh, the Braun Strowman Lashley match. I mean, we can wait was it not a, if you really want to. But was it not fantastic that match though? I mean, seriously, let, let's. It was let's, very yeah. Attitude Era, and it was it, wasn't you know, it? With Eric Bischoff with Eric Bischoff back in the picture. Um, I I suddenly Raw just looks different. Things are happening. I'm very I'm very pleased with it. I know I know that your audience is dying to talk about this, but or hear us talk about it. But, You'd be surprised, well, actually. Yeah, no, our, yeah, our audience is pretty split. <laughs> they, they, they won't mind the wrestling talk at all. They'll be quite okay. Yeah, with our that. audience, actually, we, we have quite a few. Wrestling is the other passion project of this podcast. Uh, we actually have a Patreon page where we have interviewed uh, pro wrestlers, uh, including Jimmy Jacobs, uh, former WWE referee Jack Doan. Uh, we've got more coming up on our Patreon page, including uh, Necro Butcher, uh, former Wolfie D, who was in the Nation of Domination, and we've also got um, more coming your way, including Bobby Blaze and Dan the Beast Severin. Uh, so our Patreon page is oh, full man. of wrestling content. So and 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 now me, I'm honored. Okay. There you go. I'll, I'll send you a link to that Patreon page, Hunter. Oh, yeah, please, oh, really. Uh, but what, what, yeah. So what questions? Uh, sorry. Anyway, do you? I mean, we can talk about the Rockets if you want. Obviously, I'm, I'm only, you know, I'm sort of tongue in cheek about all this wrestling talk. But I am a big fan. Well, you've so I'm happy to talk about the, it anytime. You've almost made the Rockets seem kind of boring now. I'm afraid. <laughs> well, far, far fewer tables, ladders, and chairs. That's for sure. Um, okay, there we go. But yeah, look, the, the biggest. Obviously, they made the last big splash of the NBA offseason, and you know, it's perfect fodder for all of our prognostications. Uh, to try to figure out can Westbrook and Harden somehow be the combination that's going to put the Rockets over the hump. You know, if, you know, I think that there's been an incredible referendum already on the Chris Paul era, but, you know, they are a Chris Paul hamstring injury away two years ago, uh, certainly from getting to the finals and I think probably winning the NBA championship. So, um I don't know. It's hard to say if Russell Westbrook is, in fact, the key. I think what's probably the bigger key is just that the West has now been, you know, overall, like the best teams have been watered down. And then there's, and we're definitely going to see more parity. Well, yeah, I believe so. Um, uh, the West is just one. The, the West has almost become, we can almost rename the Western Conference Murderers Row. I mean, there's very few hmm. teams that aren't either good good to great or the teams that aren't good to great. Most of them are young and are going to be competitive in the next few years. You may have 
you know, the Phoenix Suns are are question mark, uh, but even they have some no, pieces. No, 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 they'll, they... they'll, they'll be terrible. No, they'll be terrible again. <laughs> but the there's, there's, I mean, that's a certainty. But your but your greater point, I, I agree with, which is that there are no other teams in the Western Conference that any of us would be surprised to see uh, make the playoffs. Right, uh, the Kings are be better. The Mavericks, we're, we're all expecting the Mavericks to, to blossom uh, this season once Porzingis is completely healthy. Um, then all the other, obviously, you know, the way that the the league was shaking up in Snowglow has gotta diver- diversified the, all the superstar talent. You've got to put the Timberwolves down there at the bottom. Come on, they're not going to be any good. They, but they, no, but well, they could make the eighth seed though, right? Like, why would any of us be shocked if they were the eighth seed? As a Timberwolves fan, Tim is trying to mess with me at this moment. So you can go to hell, you Canadian prick. But uh... <laughs> wait, how is somebody with an accent like yours a fan of the Minnesota Timberwolves? Well, that's what well, question? <laughs> I grew up. I live in uh, Southern West Virginia. I'm about 30 minutes from the Kentucky border, but I've been so an NBA fan for a team in, in Minnesota. Well, I was I was I've been an NBA fan since I was a kid. Um, I was a Michael Jordan fan uh, growing up, as most so of us who were you're a fan of born. the team in Minnesota. Well, uh, let me get there. Man, uh, you get mocked. You are. <laughs> let me get cool. there. Let me get there. Michael Jordan was my was my player. And then he retired, and then I kind of just you know I kind of wandered aimlessly through NBA and just I, I watched here and there, but my player was gone. Um, and then I watched. and then you're like you're like this Ryan Gomes guy, oh, and Johnny Flynn. These are my guys. Uh, not not that far. Uh, Kevin Garnett. Oh, it was all Garnett. Boring. I started watching. I started watching Garnett, and I actually really liked the Wally Zerviak. Um, those guys. And sure. They just they just became my team, and I've adopted them, and I've been with them ever since. Uh, through the good and the bad, through the Al Jefferson years, to drafting. Carl Anthony Towns, the bad Wiggins contract, Jimmy Butler. I've, I've just stuck with my team uh, ever since I was about 10 years old. So well, I mean, that's been my – I'm going to provide optimism. I would not okay. be surprised if the Wolves got an eighth seed. I, seriously, there's no reason that they would be so much worse than every other team in the Western Conference that that would be out of the question. I, I think yeah. that – uh, the eight spots are really up for for almost any team. But what are you, what are your Rockets questions specifically? Um, I'm looking at this this Houston this team. They bring in Russell Westbrook. They trade Chris Paul. Um, what was the catalyst to moving on from Chris Paul and and bringing Westbrook in? Because everyone had just assumed, at least we assumed on our last episode. Westbrook to Miami was close to being done. Uh, it, it almost seemed like that was where he was headed. Then out of nowhere, in comes uh, the trade to bring Westbrook in. And since they have played together, maybe there's some connection there. But what really do you know led to this this move being made? What, what was the, the catalyst behind it? Well, you know, there have been these, like, percolating rumors. Some of them, I guess, aren't rumors. They're substantiated stories about some of the tension between James Harden and Chris Paul, but I really don't think that would be the greatest impetus for this trade. Um, And, you know, Daryl Morey, the general manager was rather outspoken weeks ago saying that Chris Paul did not demand a trade that the, you know, there isn't infighting, there's not drama. 
but then he makes this trade, and it seems he being Daryl, right? Daryl Morey makes this trade, and it seems like it would, in retrospect, affirm all of the rumors we had heard. I don't think so. I think that you know, um, it, it is as simple as weighing the scales against talent and you know contractual obligations. You know, the just the the, the sheer seemingly immovable contract of Chris Paul. And once Paul George gets shipped out of Oklahoma City, my assumption, and this isn't, you know, I can't report this because I haven't spoken to Daryl about it. Um, He's been rather mum about a lot of the finer details of how these negotiations went. But my assumption, just knowing him as well as I do, is that once Paul George was moved and it was clear that on the horizon Russell Westbrook was an option, it's just a talent upgrade, and it's perhaps one of the rarest talent grade opportunities the Rockets were going to have in the James Harden era. You know, it, it was hard enough for the Rockets to get in a position to then get Chris Paul two years ago. You know, they had to have a collection of the right assets to send the Clippers, right? They weren't going to be able to get another superstar any other way. Uh, it's just clear that, you know, um, whether you talk about whether it's like LeBron James or Kevin Durant or you know, whomever else the top free agents are, uh, they're just they weren't interested in signing with the Rockets and teaming up with James Harden. So Daryl did what he could to go get Chris Paul. It was a brilliant trade. It was the right trade to make. I think they make it every time. And then once again, holy cow, you have a chance to get somebody even better than Chris Paul. Um, who, although, you know, Westbrook's contract is mammoth and potentially destructive, um, in the, certainly in the, the final season where he's going to get $47 million. But he's four years younger than Chris Paul. He's a, you know, a more reliable scorer than Chris Paul. Um, I, you know, I'm focusing on the positives because I think it's actually kind of easy for us all to focus on the negatives of having Russell Westbrook on your team. But the deal that they had to make, and I think I just think the impetus for it was simply an upgrade in talent. Um, and you know, if you're going to have a bad contract on your team, I guess if you're the Rockets, it's uh-huh. more advantageous to have Westbrook's bad contract than Paul's bad contract. You know? Absolutely. Um, what's what's your thoughts on the the nature of having Westbrook and Harden both on the court at the same time? A lot of people are saying Westbrook is just as ball dominant as Harden. Um, will they get along on the court together? Um, and if, and I'm, I'm assuming they will since they've played together, they have a pass, but is this still James Harden's team or is this going to be a thing where, all right, we're down to the last shot. Who takes it? Is it always going to be Harden since it's his team or, or what's the mindset? What, what egos are going to have to be checked here during this season? Oh boy, I I don't know. Um, <laughs> I think it's a think tough one. I know. <laughs> there's a well, it's it's because there there is a unanimous skepticism about how they're going to work, right? I I mean, even if it's you know if we're gonna just flip through the channels and see what talking head is going to talk about uh, this duo, I I can't think of anybody that is, has has argued, you know, passionately that, oh, my God, clearly they're going to win the championship and these two guys are going to be the perfect pair. 
right? Everybody is saying kind of the opposite, which is how the heck are they going to make this work? I, I don't know. I I would expect it to probably take – it's probably going to take until maybe December, maybe late December for us to really see how this is going to – if, in fact, this is going to blend together and mesh perfectly. It, it's James Harden's team. You know, that's not really the question, and that kind of alpha – dog title or you know whatever you want to call it i don't think that's actually that's really not that big of a deal that's really not an issue this is james Harden's team the issue is how are these guys how like what kind of offense is going to enable both of these guys to be successful in the same at the same time in the same games it just doesn't seem that likely now the, the tremendous advantage is that when you stagger their playing time right when james Harden rests and Russell Westbrook plays, you're going to have, you know, a top, let's say, a top seven, top eight guard on the floor every single time. So that's great. And they're going to be really competitive. But are they going to come together so well that when you play a crunch time lineup, that is probably going to be James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon, and P.J. Tucker. This very small, uh, very fast, um, you know, aside from Tucker, each guy can be a playmaker, you know, to create his own shot or something or a shot for others. Like that crunch time five, is that the lineup that we envision winning the NBA championship? They got a long way to go to prove that. I really, it's hard for me to imagine that a lineup in which Westbrook and Harden, if the Rockets have to score, right, you need to get a basket. I don't really know how Harden and Westbrook negotiate that. I don't know what offense Mike D'Antoni possibly could design because whenever those situations happened, you know, Chris Paul, I think, I mean, maybe he was barking along the way, but he took, you know, he took a back seat to James and he was able to hit three pointers uh, in a quieter fashion when he had to, he was able to create his shot in the mid range. Those are two things that Russell Westbrook is horrific at three point and creating his own shot in the mid-range. So suddenly, you know, Mike D'Antoni really has an enormous task on his hand trying to sort out the situations that are going to make both of these guys successful at the same time. Tim, go ahead. I was kind of looking at it at this way. Um, Harden and Paul, although they got close, couldn't win. Didn't get to the big one. Uh, I would say Westbrook is an improvement on Paul. Therefore, logically, one would figure the chances of them getting there are probably better. Uh, Would you say that because neither of them have ever won, that would be the reason to get along, and that would be the reason for taking on the big contract, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Let's take the shot now and see if we can win. Meaning, I'm sorry, is your question from the perspective of James Harden? Well, even the the entire Houston side of things, that this is their kind of sort of like Toronto, where, okay, we've got the pieces, or we think we do. We've acquired this big star now to go along with our other guy. Uh, We've got to take a run at this now before these guys get too old and we don't get another chance. Sure. I I mean, your window, the window of peak James Harden, you know, at the level that he played last year, and it it is – really difficult for me to fathom a way 
that James Harden is going to average, you know, again, he's going to average more than 30 points or he's going to go months where he's going to average 36 points a game, where he's going to have uh, more than 10 50 point games. I mean, it's, it's in a way the biggest shame of Giannis and Tentacupo winning the, I'm sorry. Hello. No, it's the paparazzi. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Tim, you answer know, the phone. Tim, when, you, Tim, when you first started speaking, when you first started speaking, I wondered if you were sitting at the bottom of a well. You sounded very far away. Well, I am. So your phone service is impeccable down there. <laughs> so anyway. Oh. Uh, mark, mark this guy right, down so, as a comedian, please, Nate. <laughs> Not a basketball so expert. If, if peak if peak James Harden is only going to be maybe one more season, maybe two more seasons in which he's playing this well, you have to do everything you can to make sure next season and the season after that is as loaded with talent as possible. You know, like the window is shrinking. Uh, not to say that James Harden can't be effective more than two seasons from now, but he's not going to be the best score player and potentially the best player in the NBA. You know, uh, it, it's uh, what I was saying before about, you know, Giannis getting the MVP. The biggest shame of it is that it does not in the record books sort of prize and allow us in the future to reprise such a special season that Harden had, you know, we might all get in a few seasons that he you know, averaged the most points per game in decades, that he was in this elite company that involved Joe Jordan and um, Will Chamberlain. That's it. Like, it was just those three guys. So, you know, we're going to forget about that. And anyway, in, take advantage of, of this time in his career. They have to go out and, and get, you know, as much talent as possible. It, it's just simply an upgrade from Chris Paul to Russell Westbrook. I don't know if that means winning the championship, but – there's no one who would argue that Chris Paul is a better player right now than Russell Westbrook. You know, no one would do that. They probably have to go for it now too, before the NBA changes the rules and uh, James Harden's shot becomes a travel. Yeah. If, said they, that's, that's a, if that were to happen, yes, that's a good point, but take advantage of it. I agree. I agree. So this would, do you agree that it's <laughs> although, a travel? Although, you know what? Do you, if they do you agree that it's a travel? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because what I'll, I'll – the caveat I will add is that's fine. Take away that shot, call it a travel. But whenever the NBA does that, it probably will be the same year in which they implement a four-point line beyond the three-point line. And in that case, you know, Harden will, will be able to get that back. What did you think of the idea they were tossing around that each team would be able to set up its own three-point line distance? Uh, it'll never happen. I hope not, but the fact they even thought about it is outrageous. It would be cool. It would be kind of fun. Uh, it'd be, it's a weird, fun gimmick that I'd be interested in seeing if they, um, uh, if they messed around with it in the G League. It would be fun. You know, like Major League <laughs> Baseball has actually done a nice job of using the minor leagues and the independent leagues for all kinds of experiments, right? Like last year, uh, last year excuse me, last week, they announced that the Atlantic League, which is a, an independent baseball league, is going to allow players to, quote, steal first, right, if there's a pass ball at any point in the count, which is awesome. I think it's really fun. I kind of wish the G League would experiment with stuff like that, whether it's adding a four-point play line, well, a four-point line, uh, moving the three-point line, um, eliminating defensive three, three seconds, I think would be interesting um, because now 
uh, with the new rules in terms of how you can't hand check players, well, maybe, you know, you create a new rule that allows you, know, you to keep guys out of the paint. Uh, so anyway, yeah, I actually, it's not, it's not a ludicrous idea. I, just, I can't imagine it ever will happen. How do you feel about the idea of overtime going to four against four? What? Who said, is that a rule? When was that well, uh, rumor? Well, because the talk is, is that it's worked so well in a couple it's particularly in hockey because it gets it over with. Uh, to, it, and it's much more lively because the scoring just goes, of course, absolutely crazy. Well, since you are a Canadian, you would know the effectiveness of such a system. Uh, so I, I have to cede to you. It's extremely entertaining because if, I mean, the NBA is all about scoring right now, right? And the threes and all that. Well, now imagine it without, imagine it without another guy out there. Let's ratchet it up even more. Forget four on four. How about one on one? Oh, now we're talking. Lord. Yeah. Right. How about if it, if you, if it goes to a triple overtime, which, you know, that won't, there are seasons in which there are not triple overtimes. So in the rarest instance, it's triple overtime and you have one player, one on one. How sick would that be? Although it could be boring if, it's, if, if James Harden just pulls up for like a 50-foot three-pointer. But it would, it would create a lot of intrigue. But when, he, but when he does that, then the other guy from the other team just hard fouls him something fierce. Yeah, you, I, well, I'm, cer- <laughs> I'm, I'm certain James Harden will get the call. If you do something like that, though, if you create a one-on-one scenario, imagine some of the guys who would get – I don't know if you would keep them on your roster, maybe keep them on the end of your bench somewhere. Some of those guys oh, oh, that are oh, like a specialist. Cause there's like, there's yeah. like a crazy good, like street street ball specialist. Exactly. Exactly. Right, like you bring Ray for player. Austin back. Yeah. Because that was a, that was a <laughs> Ray for Austin. It was another thing they were. Yeah, Ray for Austin around. and Rod Strickland would be the best in the league. Is that, <laughs> yeah, uh, they would uh, honestly. Is that a team would have to name before the game starts. You're allowed to name two guys who are going to take you free throws. Oh, that sounds kind of boring. Yeah, well, then that you eliminates know, the, the yeah, fun I mean, packing you know, the center having, rule. Tim and I, God, Tim and I were having so much fun looking the NBA. Now all of a sudden, you know, throw out this really boring rule about free throws. Did, did I bring you down? Uh, okay, what about after, in the last minute of a game, anything that goes off a guy's head and in is worth five points. All right, what are the Rockets questions you have? <laughs> I just have one more. Uh, okay. I have one more uh, yeah, Rockets I, and question. I got, and then I have one more after that. So, All right, okay, I okay. just got one more. My yeah. last one is, what do you think guys like P.J. Tucker, Clint Capella, guys on the Rockets team who were supposedly uh, up for trade to try to make room on the roster uh, for at the time they thought they were going to go after Jimmy Butler – in the off season, how are they reacting to knowing that this team was willing to let them walk? And, you know, Capella, they gave the big contract to, um, will there be any maybe hard feelings? Cause it's happened before in the NBA or will they just realize that it's a business and sometimes things happen? Yeah. I always found it almost impossible to believe that the Rockets ever would trade PJ Tucker. Um, I know that it was a matter of matching salaries, and obviously you would have always want to have Jimmy Butler over P.J. Tucker. But P.J. Tucker is so valuable to this team that the point is that he would be part 
of whatever superstar, you know, machination the Rockets could be is that you actually, you really need PJ Tucker because he compensates for all these things the Rockets don't have and not acquire. Um, he's such an all-world defender, can defend positions one through five. Um, he's so uh, – he never misses a game. He, he, he's essential to what we do. I never thought that he was going to be traded. As for Eric Gordon and Clint Capella, who are rumored, I think that Eric Gordon is fine. You know, he doesn't really have a personality where he would be offended or would have a hard time recommitting to the Rockets' uh, pursuit of a championship. He'll be fine. Clint Capella might be a little more sensitive. You know, it's not just that he's young. He's, of this entire team, I've always thought this, the, the, the Rockets rosters that they've had in the last several seasons, he's the one guy to me that his personality is not like the others. The, the Rockets have, all, have had this, tri- this collection for a few years now of, I don't know how else to call them other than they are grumpy, not fun guys. Like that's kind of their thing. They are really hard-nosed, no BS, no fooling around, no fun um, players. Chris Paul, P.J. Tucker, Trevor Ariza two years ago, obviously, uh, James Harden, these are guys that are not fun. No one would say they're fun. They don't laugh a lot. They don't uh, kid around a lot. They don't look like they have fun. They're very serious. And Clint Capella is much more sweethearted, gentle, goofier, and a little more sensitive. I, I, I think that, you know, he, he probably shakes it off and goes to work because he knows it's a business, but I, uh, I think he's always going to be a little offended that uh, the Rockets were really, really, really close to trading him. I, I think he, he's the kind of guy that they're going to have to work really hard on showing love to for the next few months. Go ahead, Tim. Finish this off here. Okay. Okay. Last, last one. Last year, Houston's, what, uh, 53 and 29, I believe, uh, finished fourth. Um, let's prognosticate a little bit. Are they going to be better, better record this year or worse? It's hard to put imagine the, they would be worse. Put you on the spot. It's hard to imagine. Bit. No, that's fine. I, th- I think that it's hard to imagine they would be worse because um, they began last season at 11 and 14. That was the nadir of, of their season. And they turned that into uh, the 53-win season. So if they even had had, you know, a modestly better beginning of the season last year, they would have gotten a higher seed. They might have crossed 60 wins for a consecutive season. Uh, Things would have been much better. That team also last year had much more continuity. And suddenly, obviously, you take out Chris Paul, you put in Russell Westbrook, can he surpass 53 wins? Sure. Mm, I'm going to say, I, I, let's go yes. Let's Because I would not be surprised if they had 54 wins, is my point. I think it's going to be around the same thing. I, I also think that the number of wins for this team is not so critical. It's not a huge deal to the Rockets if they are a one seed, if they are, let's say, a six seed or a seven seed, somewhere around there. I don't think it really matters to them that much. Um, because for you know all the guys that are on this roster now, Russell Westbrook included, they've been to the playoffs so many times that they understand, you know, what kind of a advantage getting a high really is. You know, it's really not that big of a deal in the end. Uh, what matters much more is if you enter the playoffs 
playing, you know, at your best. And the Rockets did last year. They were the best defensive team in the NBA, aside, aside from the Utah Jazz, um, beginning of the playoffs. And they really figured out their three-point scheme so much better by the time the playoffs came around. So, you know, I, I expect them to get maybe 53, 54 wins again. I also just don't think it's going to matter uh, that much to them. I think the Clippers are actually in a similar spot, which is the regular season is not going to be a big deal to them. They just need – Paul George, the shoulders be healthy, right? They need Kawhi to be healthy and rested. And, you know, however that team plays in its last, let's say, 25 games, 30 games, that's all that's going to matter, right? If that team is ready to make a championship push, which all of us think that the Clippers are. So I think the, I think the Rockets are probably in a similar spot. Fair enough. I could agree with that. Did you, did you, want, to, did you want to talk about extreme roles, actually? Because oh we, we got them so in. Badly. So All right. yeah, Talk it, was, it, was, it was up and down the best pay-per-view I've seen probably since Hell in a Cell like two years ago when it was Shane and Kevin Owens was the main event. So, I mean, it's, it's been a while. Yeah. Like this, this by far, in terms of opening match till the finale, that, you know, gosh, that Rollins-Andrade um, uh, the, the, the co-ed tag team. What do we what do we call it? Do we call it co-ed tag team? What do we call it? Um, I believe they go mixed tags with mixed tag team. Yeah. So that mixed tag team match was. I'm sorry, not versus Andrade. Excuse me, versus Corbin and uh, Lacey, Lacey Evans. Evans. That yeah. was that was astonishingly better than my than any expectation I had for it. I thought it was going to be horrible. It was right, really really good, and they they booked it like they said they did something that I never really thought, but it actually makes so much sense and they should do it with mixed matches more often is got to some point in the match where, you know, in the booking of it, they're like, don't worry about the referee. Let's just have Lacey and Becky fight the exact same time simultaneously in the ring or out of the ring as Corbin and Seth. So you essentially had two simultaneous main events you know, like for, for the men's yeah. and the women's, just going on at the exact same time, as opposed to trying to coordinate a hot tag or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was brilliant booking because it, it allowed it allowed us to enjoy essentially double the wrestling, right? Yeah, it's it's the thing I, I hate most about tag team matches. Actually, is the contri- the you know the contrived waiting for the hot tag or whatever. It's just so stupid. Um, right? I'd, rather, I'd rather just have like four guys beating each other in time, or in this case, you know, uh, two guys and two, two women. So it was really brilliantly done. I thought the, mo- like the moment where it went nuts because uh, Corbin hit Becky, I thought, I thought it was really believable. I thought it worked really well. It was a great finish with the triple stomp. Uh, yeah. And then my favorite, I'm a total, like, I'm shameless. I am a total Lesnar uh, mark, like, all mm-hmm. the way. I'm, I'm a loyalist to Brock Lesnar forever, like, for life. I can do, for me, I'm always in on any scenario. And that was a perfect way to end Extreme Rules, was to have him come out. That was really, really, really good. And I like that there was nothing dirty about it. You know, he came out, he cashed in, he got in the ring, and he just, you know, mauled Rollins, like yeah. all about it. I thought it was great. You know, I didn't like, as opposed to this kind of, you know, teasing about, is he going to cash in? Is he not? Um, you know, Corbin at that moment wasn't, it's not like Corbin was laying um, through a table 
right? I know that I know that Brock obviously beat him up before the bell rung, but my point is, it's not like Brock walked out while Rollins was on a stretcher, right? Yeah. He he just took him on and kicked his. We can't. I assume we can't curse him. But right, you can say he kicked his ass. Oh, yes. Yeah, you can say oh, whatever, yeah. You whatever you want. Oh, it was great. He delivered Rollins the ass kicking that I have wanted someone to deliver Rollins for like three years. <laughs> um, I was so happy. Okay. I am so uh, on board with you on that. I can't stand Seth Rollins. It's that I can't stand him. It's that, you know, he... I'd like to see him get for somebody, Yeah, you know, for somebody who has been anointed the the guy, right? And, and, mm-hmm. and Reigns has not suffered from quite so much of this as Rollins has, but they're, they're just... Well, I guess Rollins did have... Like, he went from a heel to a face, which was nice. But I was, I was going to say, you know... His character has been so incredibly um, boring, and the same for like eight, like eighteen months, right? All of his feuds kind of are the same. His dialogue is the same. You know, he hasn't been put in a position where he's had to. His characters had to to change a bit or navigate some unexpected opponent. It just doesn't work that way. It's just I'm Mr. Kickass. Who's next, right? Like, uh, and I think that's kind of boring. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't really work for him. Um, and and another thing is he hasn't been since he beat Lesnar, he hasn't been given an opponent that really challenges him because let's face it, Baron Corbin on TV is, is not good, um, and, and I have a personal vendetta with Baron Corbin. He and I have went back and forth on Twitter <laughs> many times, which eventually he has blocked me on my personal Twitter. So twice. Uh, but oh we, my god, you have to go with the top of your resume. That's amazing. It, 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 yeah, I'm kind of proud of it, but. One thing with Rollins is they're trying to do this thing where they're putting him with Becky Lynch and putting them together some sort of power couple. The thing I'm worried about with Rollins is he's getting overshadowed because Becky is so good. By Becky? By Becky? Yes, I think so. That's fine, but we all but we all love Becky, right? So oh, I, mean, I have I no issue yeah, with it. I like Rollins, and I think Rollins is a great in-ring competitor and great worker. Could the Rollins burn it down? I'm Seth Rollins. Seth freaking Rollins act be getting a little stale. Maybe. Do I like well, him as champion? Well, sure. Well, let's see where. Let's see if there is a bit more um, of you know some gasoline coming from mm-hmm. the Attitude Era tank into yes. the WWE now, right? Like we said, yeah. so this uh, here's a good example of how like I think that maybe new fans wouldn't comprehend this, but this whole thing with Drake Maverick and his wife, um, and with um the uh, the Canellises, oh, God, I can't pronounce yes. their last name. Who, Mike and uh, Mike and Maria Canellis. Canellis, okay. Those two storylines and the way that the, the way that they are skits and they're surrendered and they're surrounding like fractured romances or mm-hmm. you know essentially sex. Like let's just be honest. It, yeah. it really is. It, it's it's been veiled as a storyline that's something other than sex, but it's they are selling the the sexual uh, discomfort sure. of those two relationships. That is complete attitude era. Like uh, I, those are uh, attitude era ideas. You would never see those in some John scenario. You know what I mean? No. But no, never. It it's beginning. So and and they're really they're so indelicate and. Not clever. They're just on the nose, awkward sex talk, right? About how like Mike isn't a man enough to get his wife pregnant. When at all was this allowed in WWE the last decade? I can't remember anything like this, right? It's great. And then with Trake and his wife, you know, 
Drake is all, you know, essentially he was supposed to look naked under his belt when he was, you know, uh, yeah, rolled up by his and his tiny and of course, Corey Graves, Corey Graves with, I don't know if anybody caught this, but Corey Graves with the joke of the night. He's so quick on the mic. When they cut oh, back he, from commercial, they were laughing and Corey just Graves goes, yeah, uh, small package. Yeah, he I caught his, that. He uh, rolled them up and it was, it was great. It was, anyway, I bring that up because maybe those are the those are the little breadcrumbs that are going to lead us to a Becky Seth feud that would be phenomenal, right? So so Seth doesn't have the belt anymore. Maybe he gets jealous that Becky's got the belt, and maybe Becky, you know, she's got some feud, whether it's with Lacey or whoever, it doesn't matter. And Rollins in her corner, Rollins is saying, "Yeah, you know, I'm fine. Like I just want to support my girlfriend, love my life, or whatever." Right? Well, maybe unintentionally, you know, he somehow costs her, not the belt, but like she loses, right? The champion gets pinned, and it's because he was a distraction or something. Mm-hmm. Suddenly we've got like a little bit of tension, you know? Maybe, you know, Seth, he gets like, he gets attacked from behind or something, and it's, it distracts Becky. So then, and Becky gets, you know, rolled up in a small package or something and loses. And, you know, maybe Seth says, you know, if you weren't so obsessed with your belt, maybe you'd care about me more. Oh! You know, so <laughs> this, like, there, there's real, there's like, there's, there's real fruit to bear. Yeah, well, it's there. I mean, I just, they, have, they already... have to lean into it. They have to lean into it all the way. They can't do this. You know, like when, when we, uh, when there was this first blending between real life and kayfabe between, for the two of them a few weeks ago, when Becky got into the back of an ambulance with Seth, whatever, that was a month ago or something. Right. And that was before the WWE completely embraced using their relationship as a storyline. And, you know, like, you can't do that. Just go for it. Look at what Mike and – is it – I can't remember her name. Rose? What's, what's his wife's name? No. Maria. Marie. Okay. Maria. Maria or Maria? Maria. Maria. Right? Maria, yeah. Maria. Maria. Yes. Okay. Look at the two of them. It's, it's, it's perfect. It's so juicy. It's so catty. It's so insulting, uh, the two of them. That's what Becky and Seth should be doing. Just go for it, you know? We've seen the two of them wrestle enough the last decade. How about we just have some crazy drama between them? Like, let's just go for it, right? Like, why not? That, well, that's yeah. what I think should be, well, if they should be the follow, idea. If they follow old school WWE, that's what will happen. Because as their, if anything happens in their real-life relationship, it will make it onto the screen. I mean, they've already teased that she's already called him the man of the man. You know, they've already kind of laid a little bit of groundwork there that uh, she might think she's better than him. That This is what I'm saying, right? Now that he doesn't have the belt and, you know, he wants to support her, but it could go sideways. I think that's really good. You know, they probably won't do this because um, it just doesn't – I don't know. This is very Attitude Era, but I, I can't imagine them doing this, but – this is a good time for Alexa Bliss to come back to the picture as uh, to try to create a tryst. You know what I mean? For her to try to steal Seth's heart. Oh, somebody starts flirting with Seth Rollins? Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, but we could do better than that. See, if it was Attitude Era, it wouldn't be flirting. If it was Attitude Era, it would be like you open up the wrong um, dressing room door. Shower. Yeah, like Val Venus and Ken Shamrock's sister. Or whatever. Oh God! Like, if, well, there was that moment with Alexa Bliss. Maybe it was three months ago, where somebody yeah, yeah. who was it? Was it Vince? I think Vince like walked in in a room and she was, was. Yeah, she was, was naked. Vince? I don't she remember was, who it was. Well, she was. 
I don't know if she was topless. naked or topless. But she was she topless. had her back turned, and then she and then she crossed her arms to cover herself. Yeah. That was a very Attitude Era experience, and it didn't go anywhere. But Vince, no, it was Vince because he did that thing that he used to do whenever, if it was Tristratus or uh, Stacy or like whoever. Like if he, <laughs> there were those times when he uncomfortably he would he would act very very over the top, like you know Looney Tunes tongue turns into a red carpet kind of like moment with his eyes bulging when he was he would encounter an attractive woman right he did the same exact thing when Alexa Bliss had this kind of nude uh, sketch you know skit thing yeah did. yeah and I just this is I mean I. My sentiment, as I said before, is they just have to go all in to do it. And if you're going to have some love tryst involve Alexa Bliss, which to me makes perfect sense, it's the only way also that you could somehow have Alexa Bliss at the level as a wrestler, like an in-ring opponent as Becky, is you have to add this other thing that Alexa could have on Becky, this other advantage that she could have on Becky, Mm -hmm. because she's such an inferior uh, opponent physically. For Becky, that if she has, you know, if she's disrupting their relationship, that's this other thing that can knock Becky down a peg, right? And, you know, who knows whether it's R Truth and Drake Maverick are running around the arena looking for spots to hide and they open a door, and behind that door is like Seth Rollins and a naked Alexa Bliss, right? And then maybe later in the show, you know, Becky confronts him. And Seth says, you know, that I, I didn't even know that was going to happen. You know, she just showed up in my dressing room completely naked, right? Like, that's a classic yeah. line. Kind of like the here. old Triple H was showing Trish Stratus a hammerlock and Stephanie walked in back in 01. <laughs> yeah, oh I recall. Hammerlock means something very different in prison, by the way. Oh, but, absolutely. But uh, anyway. Hunter, I want to thank yeah, you just, so much for, for oh. jumping on here and talking with us, man. This has been really fun. And, uh, I got a clip, a little clip for you. You may enjoy, and we'll let you plug uh, plug where you're at on Twitter and things like that. But check, you might like this. There's Diana looking like some kind of whore. <laughs> I'm sorry, was that one of you guys? That, Who was that? No, that was Jim Cornette doing a Stu Hart impersonation. So there you go. <laughs> um, Again, the demographic of your podcast that enjoyed that has got to be just like your relatives and friends. I can't no, you, anybody you would else be, understand such a deep cut reference. Oh, you'd be surprised. But I do want to thank you for coming on and let our <laughs> listeners know where they can keep up with you. All right. Anybody can find me on Twitter at Hunter Atkins 35. Uh, it's the easiest way. Uh, in terms of reading my work and the work of my colleagues, please check out HoustonChronicle.com. And that's the full name, HoustonChronicle.com. We have this sort of supplemental site that is a little more, I'm not going to lie, it's more internet traffic devoted, let's just say, called cron.com, but don't worry about that. The premium extraordinary quality of uh, the content we put out is on houstonchronicle.com, and anybody can check that out. It'd be great. Well, thank you, Hunter, so much for jumping back on, and we hope to have you back on. We'll talk more wrestling and rockets anytime you're ready, my friend. Thank you. Anytime you guys want, I am more than happy. Kayfabe for life, Bullet Club too sweet. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. Have a good night, man. All right, bye. That was Hunter Atkins from the Houston Chronicle, and we got to take a quick timeout, and we'll be back right after this. Personal injury, product liability, workplace accidents, mesothelioma law, 
Social Security disability, unfair insurance practices, family law, employment discrimination, and more. All this can be handled at New Law Office with Stephen P. New. It's New Law Office with Stephen P. New. You can get your free consultation today by calling 1-800-208-9169 or 304-362-7345 for your free consultation. A new level of personal service, whether you've been injured or facing divorce or experiencing workplace discrimination, you can rely on compassionate, thorough representation from New Law Office. Be sure to contact Stephen P. New Law Office at newlawoffice.com or again, get your free consultation at 1-800-203-9169. Stephen P. New, answers to your legal questions. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have a very special uh, guest joining us right now. Ladies and gentlemen, guess who's back? It's the one, the only, from the palatial estate all over the Northeast, whether it be in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, probably even a spot in Delaware. It's T.R. Shock himself. Welcome back, Tom Robinson. What's up, Sugar Tits? What's going on? Ah, living the dream. Okay, which one of us are you talking to when you say Sugar Tits? Probably me. Sugar Tits apostrophe. <laughs> you, you, all got, you all got four uh, big titties over there. Okay, thanks. <laughs> What's going on, uh, T.R.? Not much. I had a few minutes. I'm driving back in a torrential downpour, so the audio is probably the shit as usual. But uh, put a little bit of the last guy from Houston uh, talking about wrestling. Um, it's it's odd how many basketball who you know people like wrestling as well, and vice versa. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it's a it's a crossover platform that. A lot of people probably haven't seen it. I think we're probably the only one who really bring it to you here on Wide Men Can't Jump. But, uh, you know, we got a little bit of everything. So it was good stuff over the weekend. Well, well I mean, just because of, uh, you know, I've been obviously not listening. I've been working. But what did uh, what was his opinion on the Westbrook Harden tandem? Um, He thinks it, it, it will either they can work it and make it work or – a lot of people are of the impression of they're going to stagger uh, time on the court, whether it be Harden and then taking him out and having Westbrook play when Harden's out and constantly having an MVP caliber player on the court at all times for this Houston Rockets team. And I think that's an interesting way to look at it. Don't know what they'll do come, you know, even he said this, he doesn't know what they'll do come, you know, end-of-game situations, do you play both? Who do you go to? Do you play small ball? What do you do? So it'll be an interesting thing for Coach D'Antoni to try to work out, but it'll be fun to watch Westbrook kind of run and gun with Harden, I believe. Yeah, I'm in agreement with that. I, I think that was a good move from from the Rockets' perspective. Um, and they, they didn't really give up. They, didn't give, they gave up a lot of draft picks, but they didn't really give up much in terms of player value they still have most of their team they just swapped chris paul for westbrook yeah i mean paul is a traditional point guard almost to a t and um westbrook wants the ball actually i think the stat was those two have had the ball in their hands the most in the nba but um they played together before know each other et cetera, et cetera. they'll figure it out and westbrook seems like a better fit in the uh d'antoni 
system. I, I, I don't know. It seems like there could be a lot of drama because Russell Westbrook's straight up fucking nuts and uh, and Harden, you know, Harden is what he is. But I don't know. I think they'll get along. Well, let me ask you this uh, while we got you here. And you know I'm going to bring up the 76ers. You know the biggest news as of late. 22-year-old Ben Simmons is now a very, very rich man as he has signed a five-year, $170 million extension with the Philadelphia 76ers. What's your thoughts on that? Not going to get me. You got me last time. Um, Good for Ben. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) A guy guy in the NBA that – Number one overall, number one college player, number one fucking high school player, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And very weak, uh, very weak rookie of the year, very weak all-star selection. Doesn't show up, doesn't shoot, quite frankly. Um, I heard a stat that I think he shot 69 shots in two seasons or some shit like that um, past 15 feet. As your point guard, uh, paying a guy 170 million. That I mean, the first thing you do when you go when you're three, four years old with you know your father, your mother, your whoever your figure is in your life. There's two things you learn: bouncing the ball, aka dribbling, and shooting. The two first things you know the the guy won't do in in terms of shooting. He won't do. Some say he can't do, but I think it's just more won't because he's embarrassed and he doesn't want his shooting percentage to go down and so forth. Uh, I think we took a step backwards. I think I'm stuck with this guy for five years unless, you know, they do. Actually, contracts don't mean anything, but I knew when they got to the second round, uh, our friend James Sinaglia on the wide men page hates Brett Brown, and I'm not a big fan of Ben Simmons. And I knew once they got to the second round again, especially if they were competitive, that both would be brought back and give them more money and give them extensions, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know so much about Brown. I don't know if it's all his fault because the ownership's kind of shady, but Ben Simmons is not leading the Sixers to anything, you know, whatsoever. And this town's convinced that he's leading them to at least one, if not multiple titles. And to me, that's, you know, I'm I'm a Pacers fan. Go T.J. McConnell. <laughs> um, thirteen point nine points in the playoffs this postseason is what he averaged. Um, he can't he can't shoot or won't shoot one or the other. He's yet to make a three point shot in the NBA. Um, six rebounds, six assists in the playoffs is what this guy's averaging. That's your point guard. In this modern NBA, you cannot have a point guard who can't shoot. You, you just can't. And, and not even that he can't shoot. That's really, to me, he, if you can't shoot, it's one thing. It's attempt the fucking shot. Put it up if you're wide open. Make the defense play you. I mean, you're looking at a guy who is as big as he is. Even if he only makes 25% of his shots, the defense has to stay on him. They have to give him some respect. You can't just back off and let him run to the basket because if he's going to shoot, he'll at least make something eventually, right? I mean, Ricky Rubio at least will shoot the ball. He may not make it, but he'll shoot. 
Ben Simmons is making five years, $170 million, and he's yet to make a three-point shot in the NBA. Shaquille O'Neal has made more three-point shots in the NBA than Ben Simmons. If you don't believe me, look that statistic up. And he's making a shit ton of money. It makes no sense. And people are trying to throw this comparison at me, Casey King. I know you're out there and you're listening. I love you, brother. But you threw the comparison at me that Ben Simmons uh, can't shoot, but neither can the Greek freak. And I I assure you, the Greek freak's numbers are better than Simmons because I know they are. Simmons is not at the level of Guinness Antetokounmpo. At 22 years old, the Greek freak was averaging 22 points a game. And you're looking at Simmons, who's averaging 16. Yeah, there's no comparison there whatsoever. I mean, I, I don't know where that – they're, they're called Ben Simmons apologists. Try to hook him up with Giannis, and it's, it's not even close. The guy it's, – it's going to be a miserable season for me unless Embiid is so dominant that they win in spite of Ben Simmons. But um, – like I said, uh, it's, it's hard for me to even root for my squad with that guy at the helm. I wish we could have just suckered somebody into star, like Lillard for Simmons or some shit, something crazy, um, where where people would think that they got the better end of the deal because they got this young guy who they see on Sports Center, but they don't watch every possession in every game. The guy's a He's a he's a taller, a little more mentally stable version of uh, Mark Helpful. Go ahead, Tim. Right. After that, I didn't really know what to say. The dreaded false word. <laughs> <laughs> Take but a shot when we think say false, right? <laughs> think about that, Tim. Uh, One hundred and seventy million for a guy who doesn't shoot. It's, you go to the playground when you're three and learn to shoot. I mean, it's like you're a hockey be, fan. I, I, I yeah. got to give you an analogy. If you're a hockey fan, I know, you know a lot of guys, uh, defensemen get a lot of assists and so forth. And it's like, but they do score a goal once in a while. Um, what if a defenseman never took a shot? I was thinking more, what if he never passed the puck? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that would be, you know, probably a better analogy. Yeah, for a goalie that can't the goalie that can't make a stick side save. I won't stop slap shots. I'll only stop the soft ones. The other ones I'm getting out of the way. It's 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 crazy. And what's worse is now they've got what? Um, I don't even know what they paid Embiid. Some astronomical sum too. Not that he's maybe not a little more worth it, but boy, they got a lot of money tied up in what ifs and maybes. Yeah. Tobias Harris as well. I mean, he's a nice guy. And go ahead. I'm saying Harris. If you look at Harris, I mean, they're paying him over a long period of time. They also got Al Horford. Harris is getting 31 million. uh, Horford's getting 28 million. Embiid's getting 27 million. Simmons just got the extension. Uh, Not sure when that extension will kick in. Don't know if it's this season or next. But Al Horford and, and Tobias Harris, you know, they're on the north side of 30. Are they going to be able with them and Simmons and Embiid? Embiid doesn't stay healthy a lot. Horford's a good player. But, again, he's 33 years old. I take that back. Harris is 27. So, Harris is still 
kind of young, but he's got a lot of miles on those legs. Horford's 33. You're paying him $28 million. And you bring in Josh Richardson, who, if you want to keep him after a while, you're going to have to pay him. Like, I just I don't understand tying up that much money in a point guard who can't shoot. Now, I get that Simmons is a good player, he, and he is. He's a good passer. He can rebound for a big guy. But when he dribbles the ball down the court as your point guard, he does not set up the offense. That offense runs through Joel Embiid. You can see him do it. He dribbles down. He dribble hands off. It either goes to Embiid or it was Jimmy Butler. Now it's going to have to be Josh Richardson or Tobias Harris. And Harris camps in the corner. So or J.J. Reddick that they got rid of as well. Yeah, exactly. So you're dribbling hands off, method. You're running out of guys to dribble and hand off to. Eventually – you're going to have to be the guy, and Simmons has yet to prove to me that he can be that guy. Now, if he proves me wrong, I'll, I'll gladly say this was a good investment on the Sixers' part. But until he can make jump shots consistently, here comes the hot take of the week, the hot take of the offseason. Uh, as Bobby Hill would say, damn, this is going to be tough, Dad. We're looking at... <laughs> We're looking at a contract the Philadelphia 76ers are going to regret. Come, I'd say give it three years. They will regret this contract. We'll be uh, uh, on board. Yeah, we'll be we'll be reading and talking about how how they're going to try to trade their way out of this mess. And the only reason yeah, I can say fun. that is because as a Wolves fan, I'm looking at it right now with Gorgie Jang and Andrew Wiggins, and we paid a guy who doesn't perform up to what we want him to, and he can score. He scores. Tw- he's a he's almost a twenty point a game scorer, and he can shoot, but he's not performing up to what we need from this team. He's supposed to be the number two guy, and Wiggins is a twenty point per game scorer. He rebounds. He gets assists. Nobody. Only eleven players have scored more than him in the past two seasons. And we're saying he's underperforming because he is. Simmons? Is Simmons at 16 points a game worth that much money? Come on. I, I'm not no. buying that. Nobody's worth that money at 16 points a game. Nobody. No, yeah, like in today's a young, NBA. A young T.R. Shaw was worth that kind of money. But I'm at 16, of, I was worth that. Out of, yeah. Delco, out of Delco High, yeah, he was worth that kind of cash. Yeah. Uh, 16 and a half, 17 before uh, before I discovered this thing called food. Um, <laughs> Been there. And beer. Uh, I hear you. But, Definitely. But yeah, all kidding aside, uh, Wiggins was the number one. Uh, Simmons was the number one overall. Uh, Polks was the number one. We should get like a five man number one guys who just don't want to play. And just send them out there to play against somebody, and uh, you know, I don't want to play today. Wiggins will fish to Simmons. Simmons will fish to Fultz. Fultz will be like, "Fuck this." Ugh. Yeah. Don't do that um, to me. I, I brought up Harris because the theory is that he can't play his style, or if he or Jimmy had to go, allegedly they both conflicted with each, with each other's style. They are going to be the go-to guy. And uh, this is Tobias Harris's fifth team. I hear he's a great person, and uh, he's shown flashes. Being eh, a star type player, but I don't know, man. I, I think they put out a lot of money. 
I think the best guy, best investment was Horford, believe it or not, as old as he is. I mean, Horford's got a proven record. Um, I I really like Josh Richardson, and, and I'll be the first to tell you that. Getting him back um, is a big help, in my opinion. He's not Jimmy Butler in terms of talent, but I honestly believe that you're going to fall in love with that guy because he is a, a good player, 26 years old. He, he's very talented. He'll be worth a lot. But looking at the bench, man, oh, man, there's really not much there. Uh, Mike Scott, Zaire Smith, who's 20, but he was injured last year. Matisse Thibel, who's a rookie. Uh, James Ennis, a decent player. You signed Kylo Quinn, who was disappointing last year. Raul Nito, Shake Milton, Jonah Bolden. I'm not seeing a lot in terms of depth. Wait a You're going to have to rely. The- it's, it's basically going to be a five- to six-man rotation, maybe seven, if that. You said on their bench, uh, a guy, they signed the, the, the judge from the OJ case. <laughs> who was that? He told. Last I never he even Raul Nito. Oh. 27-year-old oh, point guard signed for the minimum. Yeah, I couldn't just or, bring TJ back for 3.5 and not sign him to Indiana. He's looted the fucking could, game. You could go with Emperor Hero Hito if you want it, Tom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, know, I know nothing about this Nito guy, which makes me feel like I shouldn't be on a show about basketball, but I hope he's a pleasant surprise of some sort. Go ahead, Tim. I, I didn't have anything. Like, I, I had nothing for that. I am on a bridge. Can you guys hear me? Yes, we've got oh, yeah. you. We hear you. We can hear the, we can... That's amazing. I'm sorry. Well, now you're starting to cut out. <laughs> about that well now you're kind of you're kind of cutting in and out on us tr on that bridge so uh not sure can you can you still you still have us uh, tr i think we've lost you my friend yep uh no there went tim i'm sorry are you there yeah we've got you i hear you all right um Really quick, uh, NBA not so much. Um, shout out to my buddy Russell Diggins the third, who's a top sixty junior in high school coming out with offers from right. going over to Paul, et cetera. Um, the whole list is on some pages I forgot, so I'll have that info next week. Um, so we'll have him on sometime soon. Looking pretty strong you know, for a Division One player, if not the next level. So it'll be good to get sounds, on somebody before. Oh, definitely sounds good. It'll be good to have uh, have a young talent on and see how the game differs now compared to what it was when we were young. Yeah, and our last Saturday since you talked wrestling with the other guy, I uh, ran into a one Paul Heyman while he was leaving the Evolve show. Uh, only saw him for a few seconds, but it was nice to be greeted with a smile and a hey, Tom. So all's good from a guy I knew for 31 years. That's great to hear, man. I'm glad you and Paul are still able to uh, 
still able to stay in touch and uh, are still friendly with one another. So that's good stuff. Glad he still remembers you. Good to know fame yeah, doesn't good. go to his head. Good deal there. Um, you know, he, I think I asked him to go to lunch, and he made up some kind of eight, eight-layered story why he couldn't. So he's still Paul, but if oh, he yeah. lies to you, he likes you, I think. I think that's what I hear. That <laughs> seems to be the yeah. story. But uh, all right. well, Tr, uh, you kind of been cutting in and out on us. Um, don't know. Do you need to get back to work? Uh, uh, not, uh, uh, not trying to run you. No, off. but yeah, kayfabe. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I have some something to do uh, really quickly, so I, okay. I better run. Um, all right. Peace, peace out, and football's coming around the corner. That's right. We'll be getting pick shows and betting shows together soon. Can't wait for that. All right. Perfect. Have a good one, bud. See you, TR. Well, that was one TR shock. Let's jump over and hear from some of our great sponsors. We'll see you right after this. If you're into comic books and collectibles, then you are going to want to check out Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They buy and sell comic books, action figures, pop funkos, vintage video game systems, vinyl records, and other collectibles. Retro and vintage collectibles are their specialty. They have fair and competitive pricing on all their items. Their prices will make you say, Oh my God! Currently, they run on Facebook, and they're in the process of getting their own storefront in Logan, West Virginia. Give their Facebook page a like and keep updated on new merchandise and announcements for Comic-Cons and store opening in your area. They do ship, but only within the United States at this time. Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, where yesterday's memories are today's future. If you are looking for anything comic book or collectible-wise, you are going to want to do one thing. Assemble. And head over to Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Check out their Facebook page, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. Are you sick of the boring, same old campsites with the same old girls and the same boring content? Well, now's your chance to jump over to a brand new website called cambay.com. C-A-M-B-A-E.com. When you're on Cambay, whatever you want and whatever you desire is right at your fingertips. Be sure to join right now and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on cambay.com. Use those credits to go towards whatever your fantasy is and make sure that you know cambay.com wants to make you as happy as you can be. Be sure to join right now. Again, it's cambay.com, C-A-M-B-A-E.com. And unlike college, it's not going to take you guys 20 free credits to finish. So join cambay.com right now. Use promo code WIDEMAN and get your free credits. Again, thanks to our great sponsors at Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC, and thanks to our sponsors at Cambay.com, as well as the law offices of Stephen P. New at NewLawOffice.com, and of course, StayClassyMeats.com with all their wonderful selection of just every meat market item you could ever want, specialty meats to just, you know ribeyes and steaks and bison and burgers and brats and sausages and Anything you can imagine, stayclassymeats.com. Use promo code WIDEMEN. Save 10% on your order if you go to stayclassymeats.com. 
It's your online meat market, and I promise you, you can't beat their meat. Uh, Tim, what we started tonight when we we talked with Hunter Adkins from the Houston Chronicle about the Rockets, we, we got on a little side note there with the WWE talk, which was all in good fun. Our fans know we're big wrestling fans. Uh, but what we've started doing is we are preparing the NBA offseason updates. Tonight you got the Rockets, and you're going to get some talk from the Thunder as we'll be joining our guest here in a second. But we're going to try and cover all 30 teams this offseason uh, week by week, where there be two to three teams each week where we're discussing um, their offseason moves, predictions, and things of that nature. We're going to try and cover every single team before the start of the regular season in October. So that's kind of our mission here this offseason is to go team by team, look at the moves they made, look at their rosters, look and see what they're doing, and kind of predict. So tonight you're getting the Rockets and the Thunder. Uh, anything you want to weigh in on that on, Tim? Thunder, yeah, a little, little bit of uh, first two up on the – Gate, a little bit of turmoil in both cities. Absolutely. A lot of question marks and a lot to talk about. There is. And we were joined by Brady Trantham. Sorry, that name is a little difficult sometimes. But Brady Trantham from Franchise Sports. And we talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder in a very in-depth conversation Tim and I had with him. So we're going to go to that now, and we'll be back on the other side. So, Tim. Roll the tape, Nate. Joining us right now is the lead Oklahoma City Thunder insider for franchise sports in Oklahoma and the co-host of the OKC 82 podcast, Brady Trantham. Am I pronouncing that right, sir? Uh, That is correct. Um, You'd be surprised how many people mispronounce uh, that name. So good job, guys. (laughs) Thank you. We appreciate it. And we thank you for jumping on and talking uh, OKC with us here, the Thunder. A lot of news has been made lately. The Two cornerstones of the franchise are traded in the offseason. A lot was brought back in terms of picks that were protected, unprotected, pick swaps, things of that nature. We'll break that down as we go along here. But, you know, Paul George leaving came as a surprise in the Kawhi Leonard deal. What, What do you think led to Paul George deciding it was time to leave and to head to the Clippers? Was it just Kawhi Leonard saying, come with me? Yeah, I think the catalyst that it's easy to point to is certainly Kawhi Leonard sliding into Paul George's DMs and asking Paul, like, hey, let's, let's make this happen. I mean, when a guy like Kawhi <laughs> Leonard comes calling, um, especially if you are a guy in Paul George who's from Palmdale, so he's from the area in Los Angeles, and he's always been connected to have wanted to play for either the Lakers or the Clippers for the last few years up until last year when he re-signed with Oklahoma City. I mean, it, it makes sense at that point. And then you add on to the fact that while Paul George enjoyed his time in Oklahoma City and he had nothing but um, glowing things to say about the front office here, um, about playing alongside of Russell Westbrook, you just you can't get over the fact that the Thunder were probably the, one of the more disappointing teams in the last two years uh, with the talent that they had accrued, uh, the high-end level talent they had with Westbrook and Paul George, two first-round exits. That's going to wear on you. And the second you can find, I guess, an escape route, you're going to take it. And uh, fortunately for the Thunder, 
And fortunately for Paul George, I think both sides, both parties probably leave this situation that could have easily grown into something completely deplorable and despicable, kind of like the Anthony Davis situation last year with New Orleans. It went from potentially becoming that to both sides are probably happy with where they're going uh, moving forward. What does it mean to this Thunder team? Because they were the team that brought Russell Westbrook into the league. He was the longest tenured player with any one team in the league after Dirk, uh, Dirk retired and Dwayne Wade uh, had left as well. Um, so you look at Russell Westbrook, he was there 11 seasons. Um, did did trading Westbrook basically end up being, you, you know, this is best for all parties because the Thunder realized without Paul George, and, and you know what, maybe even with Paul George, this isn't going to work. The the salaries were too much, and they weren't getting past that first round. Was just the trade for Russell Westbrook, was that something that they just felt, all right, it's time? Yeah, I think that's probably like the the, the easiest way to kind of call the whole situation. Um, and when you go back to Paul George requesting a trade, of course Russell Westbrook is probably going to have some knowledge either prior or right as that trade request is made uh, public, at least to Sam Presti, um, you could probably read into the fact that Russell really did nothing to try and convince Paul George to want to stay in Oklahoma City. Um, there had been some rumors and whispers that Russell Westbrook himself um, was also equally disappointed in how the last two and even three years going back to his MVP season when they were beaten in the first round um, – he himself was probably disappointed. So it, it it kind of makes sense in that respect. And then you think about it from the angle of Russell Westbrook's 31 years old. It made sense for the Thunder three years ago after Kevin Durant left that, okay, we can, we can hand you the key to the franchise. You're still about to enter your prime. We can build a team around you. At 31, it's kind of hard to hit the reset button. And I think for both parties involved, I mean, it's kind of mirrored to the Paul George situation where both Paul George and the Thunder are probably happy. Um, considering all things that happened, Russell Westbrook definitely wanted to go play in Houston. He definitely wanted to go play with his uh, old friend and James Harden. And again, at this point, he's 31. He still wants to compete. He's not going to be able to do that with the Thunder moving forward. Uh, the, his best chance to get a ring and to have some serious playoff contention is definitely with Houston. And so, again, for both parties involved, uh, it worked out. Tim, any questions concerning the Thunder? All right, so we got CP3 at least on the roster for the time being. Um, the rumor is he's headed to possibly Miami. Is that what you're hearing on at that end? I mean, that's the team that's been connected, even going back to the Russell Westbrook thing. But I'll tell you guys this. Um, anytime you hear a team connected with Oklahoma City and a potential trade, when you're talking about, when you're talking about Sam Presti, it hardly ever becomes that team that's widely reported. I'll just, I'll give you guys, it could very well be Miami at the end of the day, but um, that's just basically my thought process moving forward. But he's definitely, he's on the move for sure though, right? Uh, I, I would say probably long-term. Yes. What? <laughs> um, I don't think this is going to be a trade that happens tomorrow. And I, I guarantee you, I'm going to look like a fool when the trade happens tomorrow, but I really wouldn't be surprised if game one, uh, the Thunder trot out Chris Paul, at least on the roster, who knows if he actually plays, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Now, further than, than December, 
that's when it gets a little dicey. I don't think uh, Chris Paul's in the Thunder's long-term plans in okay. in that respect. So then, uh, what is as far as you see it? How is management gonna spin all of this uh, to the fan base? Because you've went from at least, even though they've had what uh, I guess it's three years in a row they've went out in the first round, but still, uh, you know, OKC has always kind of been a team that's you know in the mix in the fight for the a, a division anyway. Um, what are they going to tell people now? Because the team's not going to be, at least for a year anyway, is not going to look that good. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to be a culture shock um, for Thunder fans. Now they've been, you know, the last week and a half has been such a gut punch to the fan base that I think they're already resigned to the fact that, yep, this is going to be different. Now, when they're actually presented, when it's actually presented before them, in terms of losing, you know, like we're in December and maybe the Thunder have already lost 20 games. Um, that's going to be another thing that Thunder fans have to kind of get over and understand that this is now the new reality. But um, I think with just the absolutely unprecedented haul of draft picks, pick swaps, and whatever else Presti's been able to swindle out of uh, L.A. and Houston and whatever he could potentially get in a potential Chris Paul trade, it's going to always be in the back of, of the fan base's mind of like, okay, they're, they're building towards something. Now, what are they going to sell in the short term? Cause like I said, I, I I'm of the belief that they'll probably go into the season with Chris Paul. I mean, they're going to sell the nostalgia factor of when Chris Paul in his first two years, he played for the new Orleans Hornets, which they were at the time located in Oklahoma city because of the unfortunate events of hurricane Katrina. And that really kickstarted the NBA moving towards Oklahoma city um, or it, or it is ultimately now. So there's going to be that nostalgic factor. And then if you, if you look at the roster, if Chris Paul's a good soldier and agrees to basically play like a professional, if he's still with this team, if you look at the roster, it's not terrible. You know, the Chris Paul, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, Steven Adams, Terrence Bird, it's, it's not a terrible roster. They, they would be lucky, yes, to still scratch and claw for the eight seed in the West, but it's, it's not Phoenix Suns bad. So, I guess the front office can still kind of sell. Um, you know, they'll, they'll be competitive. Um, it's going to really come down to how much this fan base values having a good reputation as a fan base. They're one of the more um, lauded fan bases in the league, so it's going to really come down to that. All right. So then I'll, I'll ask you one more, and then I'll turn it back over to Nate. Um, what do you think they should do for the future? They've got a boatload of draft picks with a potential for even a – more draft picks. Do they stay the course, be bad for a year or two, uh, see what's coming down the pipeline and draft like they did, I guess, the first time around to get to where they were at? Or do they package those draft picks up and try to trade their way back into contendership? And it's, it's a good question, and we're going to find out probably in the next few months for sure what they plan on doing. I am of the opinion that they need to fully commit to something. I think to have one foot in into the reset mode and one foot out in terms of, well, we still want to kind of compete. I think that's a little silly. Even the, even with the new lottery rules, you don't necessarily have to tank hard to potentially get a high draft pick. Um, I, I just think that at some point they need to fully commit to a, one pathway. Now, I'll tell you what I what I don't think they should do. I don't think they should package some of these draft picks, whether that be 
this season or in the next few seasons. They shouldn't package a few draft picks to get not a high-end level superstar like a, a – I mean, whatever your guys' opinion was of Paul George, I mean, I when he was traded to Oklahoma City, I thought he was a fine player. I thought he was an all-star level player. But I, I didn't put him necessarily in that top ten tier of player. I don't think the Thunder should trade some draft picks to get another superstar like that that maybe has two years left on their contract. I really think they should just go all in on trying to rebuild a la the first era of Thunder basketball by trying to just draft, 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 and develop. Now, can they trade some of these picks in a draft? You know, Because they'll have two or three in some drafts. Can they tr- move some of these picks to maybe move up higher in the draft? That's a different story. Um, again, I, I just don't think they should try and go the, the superstar hunting route. I think that they should fully commit to we have guys on roster now that, that can help us remain competitive um, to, a, to a respect. But overall, the trajectory is develop the young talent that's already on the roster and then try and get lucky, scout, um, scout talent, and then develop that talent from the draft to try and build back up to where the Thunder used to be. Now, uh, really quick, um, the likelihood of Sam Presti drafting three consecutive MVPs, that is incredibly slim. I'll just go ahead and say that for those listening. <laughs> but it's happened before. <laughs> it has happened before. Well, and he has a Thunder fans good, expecting he, Kevin. Oh, go he ahead. He has a pretty good. He has a pretty good track record, though, in the draft. No, exactly. I mean, there's probably three or four GMs that you choose from if you're a fan base of a team in this situation. Sam Presti is definitely one of those three or four GMs. I think, without question. Well, if you haven't heard, these are some of the assets that the Thunder have acquired in trading just two players. This isn't even. Uh, including the trade that they did to get rid of the Jeremy Grant contract. Um, Miami's 2021 unprotected first-round pick. The Clippers' 2022 unprotected first-round pick. Miami's 2023 lottery-protected first-round pick. Um, 2023 first-round pick swap with the Clippers. A 2024 Clippers first that's unprotected. 2025 first-round pick swap. 2026, Clippers first unprotected. Uh, Shea Gilgris, Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, they also received a 2021 first-round pick swap with the Rockets, a 2024 Houston first-round pick, top four protected. 2025 first-round pick swap, a 2026 first-round pick protected, uh, top four, and they got Chris Paul. What a haul for two players. (laughs) It, it it takes That's, up two pages on a Word document to put all those up. It does. It does. And they really and a lot of people are gonna say, Okay, well they're gonna they're gonna be losing now for a few seasons and, and that may be true, but man, oh man, do they have potential here. You wanna talk about acquiring assets. The Thunder now have so many assets that they've acquired. And then, like I said, haven't included the Jeremy Grant trade and what they do. And then well, if they um, trade Chris Paul, there there will be more involved and three, in this. Exactly. So, and, and three more of their own. And if they're bad or, you know, bottom 10, let's say, that's three, you know, in the next two or three years, that's a pick, a, another pick a year that's going to be a half-decent pick. I mean, that, yeah, that and, pile has got to be close to unprecedented. I mean, with all these picks, even if, even if these picks are late first-round picks, 
there are gems in the late first round. Plus, you get a young player like Shea Gilgers-Alexander, who was a great player for the Clippers. He's done a great job. Um, I think he is end up, he's going to end up being the face of the franchise. Would you agree with me on that? Uh, no question. I mean, that, that's the idea. I mean, there is a reason why Jerry West and the Clippers, uh, according to Wojnarowski, Adrian Wojnarowski's original report when the trade went down, there is a reason why they did not want to include Shea Gilgis-Alexander. They think he could be that type of player. The Thunder certainly hope that he can be that type of player. And really, just based off of his rookie year, I, I don't think it's, re- it's too hot of a take to say, you know, in three or four years, he, if he continues this development, he's either a fringe all-star or he's an all-star. Like he's he's that talented. He, he he's a really good shooter. He's six foot six. He's a tall point guard. Incredibly talented. That's that's the idea for the Thunder is that he is the at least the point guard of the future and the face of the franchise. Unless they're able to draft like we kind of joked about three consecutive MVPs in a row. <laughs> but I'm well, looking at, at the, all these. I'm looking at all these assets and. A lot of people are going to say, "Ah, oh, well, you know, they didn't. They they only got a bunch of picks, and you don't know what those turn into." With their history of drafting, as we've talked about, with the way that they can get players to buy in, and to me, I'm going to make this point here. You all may or may not agree with me. This move by the Thunder may have saved Billy Donovan's job, in my opinion. Uh, would you agree with me on that, that maybe Billy Donovan, if they would have kept the same roster intact, maybe he wouldn't have a job coming back this year? I think it certainly gives Billy Donovan another pass. Um, I, I wasn't necessarily shocked that during exit interviews, Sam Presti told us and Billy Donovan told us that they, you know, they expected to be working together this time, uh, this coming season, this being Billy Donovan's final year of his deal. I mean, Presti and Billy Donovan, they are of one mind. Uh, they have the same ideas. They both speak the company line to a T. Um, so that doesn't shock me. But um, I think Presti has, has always had this idea of Billy Donovan that he is a great developer. And perhaps perhaps Presti may have mistimed whenever he actually wanted Billy Donovan to be the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder back in 2015-16. Perhaps that was the case. But – uh, you can't really deny that um, Donovan, you know, he's not that far removed from college basketball where he was thought of to be one of the, if not the best college basketball coach in the country. What do you do as a college basketball coach? You develop young talent. What do the Thunder have looking forward to them? They've got a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds to look forward to drafting. So even if the Thunder bought them out and they're bad this year, it, it makes sense. They had to trade away their two all-stars and their entire trajectory as a team has been, you know, taken away from them. So I feel like unless Billy Donovan just simply does not want to be a part of this moving forward, um, I think in like, like the original question, I think, yes, it probably did save his job because now Billy has a little bit more ammo to say, I want to develop this talent. I can do it. So let's move forward. Whether or not that's the correct thing to do or not, because I know Thunder fans are going to be angry to hear that. Maybe some of them, whether that's the right thing to do or not, that's that's another debate. I want to bring up two players now, uh, and they are going to be the two largest under contract players on the Thunder. Stephen Adams, Dennis Schroeder. Stephen Adams is due twenty five million dollars this year. Schroeder's due fifteen five this year. 
these two guys, do you see Adams and Schroeder both being long-term pieces for the Thunder? Or I know I've heard that they were shopping Adams. I don't know about Schroeder. Are these a couple of guys that they're going to look to hold on to? Because these aren't expiring deals. They both have another year on their contract after this upcoming season. Um, do they keep them? Do they look to move them maybe? What, what's the plans with those two players like Adams and Schroeder? Yeah, what, I guess the easiest thing to do would be like with Dennis Schroeder. Technically right now with the Russell Westbrook-Chris Paul trade becoming official today, there are, techn- there are three point guards on the Thunder's roster, Shea, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder. So someone's got to go. And you would think that the, low, the, the easy man out right now is Chris Paul. But then you have to think, well, if Chris Paul is indeed traded fairly soon, does Dennis Schroeder want to come off the bench um, to back up a second-year player in Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Now, Schroeder might be – he might be a better option just because he's an older vet at this point in his career. But I think the Thunder moving forward want to trot Shea out there as the point guard of the future and to help speed along his development. So uh, that, that, to me, seems like the easiest thing to move regardless. Now, with Steven Adams – he was kind of the sexy, um, sexy rumored player to be uh, moved from the Thunder because before Paul George and Russell Westbrook were traded, the Thunder were strapped for cash. One of those reasons being uh, Stephen Adams makes $25, $26, 27000000 million a year. And while he's an incredible player, he's really good, and he's very integral to the, Thunder, to the Thunder's success, he's a one-sided player. He, he doesn't spread the floor offensively. He was virtually unplayable in the Thunder's final two police, um, pre, or playoff games in the fourth quarter. And he's shown kind of a tendency to get, get worn down as the season progresses over the last few years because he has so much responsibility, and he's a seven-foot-tall behemoth of a human being. Um, but now with where the Thunder are going now, I don't necessarily think that you can say Stephen Adams is overpaid at this point because the Thunder certainly love him, and they were only ever going to move him if some team offered them just a stupid haul, just something similar to what they were able to get with Paul George, just something so stupid that Sam Presti couldn't say no to. Um, but I think now, if you, moving forward, Stephen Adams is a guy that I think the Thunder want to be involved with this locker room moving forward. They, they want him to be, I, I guess, like the, the next version of Nick Collison, is, and that might sound funny to people outside of the region, and I, I, I completely understand that. Steven Adams is a much better player than Nick Collison probably ever was. But Adams is a guy who embodies the, the culture of Thunder basketball. He's no nonsense. He doesn't really care about his own stats. He doesn't care about what what he is able to do. He only cares about winning. And it makes sense that Sam Presti, Billy Donovan, probably want that mindset in the locker room, especially when a lot of the new players that are going to be coming into this situation over the next few years are going to be 18, 19, 20-year-olds. You want to learn from a guy like Steven Adams. He sets the tone. So I would say if it were up to me, keep Steven Adams because he's no longer overpaid at this point. Tim, any more questions for Brady? I'm just looking at the at the standings from last year and uh, trying to figure out where Oklahoma is going to end up this coming season. Are they potentially – uh, I mean, we know they're not going to be as good as they were, obviously, um, and probably not a playoff team. I would say that's a safe assumption. Uh, are they going to be like bottom feeder bad, or 
Am I missing something? Again, that's a, that's another good question just because so much could change. Everything I said about Steven Adams could change. They could decide we need to completely reset and move off of a Steven Adams contract, uh, move off of a Danilo Gallinari who's an expiring deal, so he's a valuable trade asset. And then, of course, Chris Paul. And if all those three things happen, then the Thunder's roster is going to be bad with a capital B. Then they could very well bottom out. But if the Thunder go into the season with Chris Paul, like I said, their roster isn't that bad. They've got a nice bench. They've got a nice starting five. Um, they've got guys that um, are proven NBA players. Now, the West got so much better that it, it really doesn't matter. They could still try and be competitive. And at the end of the day, they probably won anywhere from 35 to, if they're lucky, 43 games. And that would do two things. It would keep the fan base engaged in the short term. It would keep the Thunder in the lottery for their own pick um, because you're not getting into the playoffs with that bad of a record. Yeah. So uh, if you you just if you just look at the roster, like I said, there is talent there. It's not terrible. It's not the Knicks of last year. It's not the Suns of the la- of the last few years. They're not terrible, but they could certainly choose to go that direction if they feel that that's the right thing to do. Their their fan base though is. I don't know about strong enough, maybe it's not the right word, but smart enough to to understand the fact that they went on a, let's say they go on a three or four year rebuild attempt. Uh, they, would they, because that's a small market, do they survive that kind of attempt or do they have to be careful on how bad they get before they get good again? If that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's kind of it's a fine line. I mean, the fan base is I, I feel fully prepared for this season is going to suck. The next season is probably going to suck, but as long as they see development, as long as there's still hope, um, and it could be in the form of Shea Gilgis Alexander becomes that player that we kind of talked about. Um, maybe a player that's uh, a younger player that's on their roster in a Hamadou Diallo, a Deontay Burton, or even their first round pick this past June. Darius Baisley, maybe those one of those guys or a few of them make strides and continue to give this fan base hope in addition to, well, hey, uh, so-and-so uh, recruit out of college is going to be a top-five lottery pick, and he's like a guy that can help change a franchise. If the Thunder are projected in that draft, there's always going to be that hope for tomorrow will be better. Um, it can't go on for too long because you see small markets across the league that have this mentality of, like Indiana is a good example and a good comparison for Oklahoma City. They've had a few times in the last 15, 20 years where they could have bottomed out. They could have just said, let's just get a good high lottery pick and try and rebuild that way. They could have done that, but they chose to try and remain competitive because they understand the inherent up, uphill battle of having a sm- or playing basketball in a small market. So it's a fine line. I think Thunder fans are prepared for a few bad seasons, but anything beyond that without development from young guys, that's when it's going to get a little questionable. It's extremely difficult to dig yourself out of that mediocre tag once you get it. Uh, yeah. Uh, A.K.A. the Knicks, teams like that. I mean, and they've got money and a fan base and all the rest, and they can't shed it. At this point, you know, yeah, everybody the, you know, it's a the good thing. The, the good thing for the Thunder, though, like if you're going to compare them to the Knicks, is I don't think the Thunder have this idea that, 
oh, some free agent will come to us just because we're no, Oklahoma City right. or just because we're the Knicks. No, I'm like th- no, they'll, I'm they'll not, always have an eye to they'll always have I'm, an eye to develop the talent that they have. <laughs> I'm not trying to compare OKC to the Knicks. I'm just saying that the Knicks have been bad for quite a while, and once you've been bad for you know what five years plus, you get that tag, and it yeah. keeps, and it sort of keeps people from you know maybe I don't want to go there even though there's a potential for something to come out of me going there, I'll just stay away from that place because it's just not a good situ- not not a good situation is what I'm getting at. And they're not exactly. at that they're not at that point yet. They're not even close to that yet. But Well the Thunder also aren't going to draft Ronaldo Balkman and Frank Nid to Kalina. I would hope I would hope for the fan base's sake they don't they don't sign four or five power forwards and say, All right, we did it guys. Good job. <laughs> so we many didn't power get anybody forwards, we but... wanted, so we we settled for a second <laughs> and third and fourth and fifth. Nobody's gonna <laughs> dunk on us. But uh one more question, Brady, and we will let you go. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook had the the goodbye to Oklahoma City. When he comes back and plays again, in uh, Oklahoma City this season, I, I do personally. I hope he gets a hero's welcome because I think he deserves it. But seems to have left on good terms with the team, with the city. You don't see a lot of people throwing shade at him, throwing hate. Uh, what did Russell Westbrook mean to the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, franchise? Yeah, well, um, today when the trade was made official, Sam Presti and the Thunder sent out that press release um, acknowledging the trade. And Sam Presti's first sentence about Russell Westbrook was, Russell Westbrook is the most important Thunder player in its brief history. And this that's probably going to be a controversial statement as it continues to marinate in the public because Kevin Durant used to play here. Kevin Durant won an MVP here. Kevin Durant led the Thunder to a finals here. So um, I, I certainly understand what Presti is saying. Um, if you think about Oklahoma before the Thunder arrived and even before the Hornets were here for those two years, this is a state, this is a region that is defined by college sports with college football with the University of Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, and rich histories. Rich histories going back to World War II, pre-World War II. There was a lot of great sports figures from the state of Oklahoma. And I've never really been a big fan of the Mount Rushmore sports argument, but even with all that rich history of uh, athletics in Oklahoma, Russell Westbrook is on that top three or top four of about anybody you ask from the state of Oklahoma. He means that much to the state, to the region. He made it cool for a few years to be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan. Uh, he won an MVP here. He didn't have the te- he didn't get to lead the team to great success when it was just him. But I think Thunder fans just appreciate him for uh, sticking around, uh, playing out most of his prime here giving Thunder fans a lot of great memories. And it's going to be hard for Thunder fans to see him in a Houston Rockets uniform. I mean, I think the Thunder, if you, if you pulled Thunder fans, like what are your most hated teams? It's probably going to be Golden State with Kevin Durant and then Houston number two. Not necessarily because of James Harden, but just because of all the, the talk that surrounds Houston when it concerns Russell Westbrook. That's going to be kind of weird, but I think you're, you're going to get what you asked for. And when Russell Westbrook comes back, he's going to get – a complete and utter hero is welcome. So, I mean, he, it's going to be, it's going to be a big day for the fan base to kind of showcase what they're all about and to give Russell Westbrook probably a, a more public, better send off of a goodbye. 
he should get a standing ovation for as long as they can do it. He, I mean, what, what more do they want? I mean, logically, what more could you want? I mean, they're, exactly. they, weren't, they weren't winning with him anymore. The, the team wasn't going to get any better, so he left. You can't really blame the guy for that. And no, 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 no. No one. Uh, I don't think. And he left. Blame, you know. And it, and he discussed I, with management leaving. He left yeah, and I mean, was he, able he to get them assets. As good, he never he, held a gun to anybody's head, or did some of the things some of these other guys did. You know, demanding this and that, or I'm not doing this, or I'm not going there, or all the other things we've heard this year already. I mean, he kind of yeah. I mean. Went. And he didn't yeah. he didn't leave in free agency to go join the team that you should have beaten the playoffs, like some people we know out there looking at you, Kevin Durant, but you know, that's just how it is. No, no I, I mean I was gonna say you guys are exactly right because um Russell Westbrook, you know, working with management, management working with Russ, it yielded the Thunder some more draft assets moving forward, and then even with Paul George who left the Thunder on, in amicable terms as much as you can. I mean, Paul George and his agent, Aaron Mintz, they could have made this a public thing, which would have taken all the leverage away from the all Thunder's right. front office if, if it's out there in the public that he wants a trade. So um, for as bad of a situation as this kind of is for Thunder fans right now, and it could have been, it's, it's the best for, for all parties involved, I, I believe. Yeah, he also didn't wait a long time to do it either. He's given them plenty of time now to make a plan. They got all summer to, you know, figure out what they're going to do. He he, he didn't hoe and hum about it. Uh, I'm a little bitter up here in Canada with the. I mean, I loved Leonard. What he did for the Raptors was great, but I wish he could have made his mind up a little quicker, so that the franchise had a chance to react to him. Even though I think they knew he wasn't coming back anyway, but. That's what Thunder fans said three years ago. Kevin Durant made his decision on July 4th, and by then all the moves had been made, and the Thunder yeah, were just you, know, you, you could do better by your franchise, I think, especially if they've done well by you, which by all accounts the Thunder have been nothing but uh, good stewards to his career. Let's put it that way. This is the era right. of player empowerment that we live in, guys. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Very true, but – Brady, we want to thank you again for jumping on and talking Oklahoma City with us and breaking down the thunder with us. And we're gearing up. We're already starting to gear up for next season, as crazy as it sounds. But would you let our listeners know where they can keep up with you and find you at and uh, maybe listen to your podcast and things like that? Yeah, if um, anybody is interested in Oklahoma City Thunder talk or NBA talk, you know, I, I cover the thunder, but they play in the NBA. So we're all one big NBA happy family. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. Um, at, it's at Brady Does Sports. I thought it was clever at the time. Oh well. Um, I, uh, the podcast. <laughs> the podcast, like you guys said, it's called OKC82. So just whatever you listen to podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever, just type in OKC-82. And during the season, it's just a basically a reaction to the game that we just saw in the arena. Um, and, and during the off season, it's just a whole lot more off season talk. And then we do a lot of NBA talk because before these trades, the Thunder weren't really doing anything. So we were kind of forced to talk about the NBA at large. So uh, yeah, just follow us along on there and uh, we have fun with it. 
Well, thank you again, Brady, and we hope to have you back real soon. Talk more Thunder as we get closer to the regular season. Awesome, yes. Guys, thank you guys so much for uh, letting me jump on, and anytime you need me, just, uh, just holler. And that was our interview with Brady Transom. Yes, that, that name still gets me. But that's Brady Transom uh, from the Oklahoma City Thunder. He talks uh, with Franchise Sports. Give him a follow on Twitter. And also go follow Hunter Adkins. It's A-T-K-I-N-S. And the Houston Chronicle, who covered the Rockets with us earlier tonight. Again, we want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I know um, we've had a lot go on this episode and a lot of stuff out of left field. But it's been fun. Uh, thanks, TR, for coming on. We miss talking to TR a lot. But... Uh, Glad he was able to jump on and talk a little bit. Thanks again to our sponsors, the law offices of Stephen P. New, Canbay.com, Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. They're on Facebook.com, backslash Atomic Comics and Collectibles, LLC. And Stay Classy Meats at stayclassymeats.com. Promo code WIDEMAN, save 10% on your order. Go check out WIDEMANCAN'TJUMP.COM for more information. And also, we want to take a second and tell you about our Patreon page. Uh, Patreon.com slash WIDEMANCAN'TJUMP. We've got two exclusive interviews up now. One with former WWE referee Jack Doan, and the other is with former WWE creative and professional wrestler in Ring of Honor, IWA Mid-South, CCW, and more, Jimmy Jacobs, the zombie princess. Um, Basically, our Patreon page here, let me give you a little bit of an idea of what you can get on this Patreon page. For $2 a month, you get access to all of our interviews exclusive interviews and we got more coming that we've teased here on the show for five dollars a month we'll send you some merch like our bottle openers stickers uh any kind of new merchandise that we'll be getting in and you get our access to our content as well uh with each tier that you go up you get everything from the tier below as well uh ten dollars a month you get access to all the interviews and content plus the stickers the bottle openers and you get to hear these interviews before anybody else will send these interviews to you ahead of time. You get early access to these interviews. So make sure of that and you'll be able to hear them before anyone else for $20 a month. You get everything that you've already heard. Plus you get a t-shirt and you can be one of our guests every single month. You can be on any of the shows that you pick. You can be on one of the Patreon shows You can be on one of our uh, exclusive shows here on Wide Men Can't Jump. You can be on the Sunday Night Roundtable. Our pick shows, when they come back, if you want to jump on one of those, you can. Each month, you'll get to be on one episode with us, and only two people can join this tier. This is a $20 tier, 20 bucks a month, but you get to be a part of the show. And there's also a one-time payment of $25. You will receive a T-shirt and all the other merchandise, plus get some access to our interviews as well. So head on over, guys. For as low as 2 bucks a month, we've already got three hours worth of content up that you haven't got to hear, and you won't be able to hear anywhere else. If you're a wrestling fan of any kind, I recommend it, but we're going to have more than just wrestling talk over there. There's going to be, uh, we're talking to some names in mixed martial arts. We've got, of course, if you like the wrestling content, we've got more coming your way. And we've also got uh, some talks with some entertainers, uh, comedians, singers, a little bit of everything. 
So get over, become a patron. You help us out. It's as cheap as buying one Coca-Cola. Can you buy a Coke for Nate and Tim? That's all you have to do. And you get to hear all of this exclusive content. It's Wide Men Can't Jump. Head over patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. Join up and enjoy it because honestly, Tim, it's some of our best work, in my opinion, these interviews that we get to do. Got pretty deep in with uh, quite a few guys already. A lot of stuff we didn't know. A lot of things oh, you yeah. guys at home have never heard of. Might be surprised to learn. Yeah, definitely. So check it out. Again, it's patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. Head on over. Check it out. Look it up. You'll be glad you did. And to those of you that have become Patreons already, we thank you for your patronage. Thank you so much. We've had some of you jump on, but we'd love to have more. Join us there as well. And uh, Tim, this has been episode 88, and we really enjoyed it. And I also wanted to say um, our new introduction. We have a brand new song in our intro for Wide Men Can't Jump. It's called David by a group called Horse Burner. If you're into uh, stoner metal of any kind or any kind of uh, heavy stuff like that. If you're a fan of the groups like Baroness, uh, they're a big, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of theirs as well. Uh, go check them out. Horse Burner. I'm trying to find the, the album here. I have the album. Uh, and big shout out to Adam for hooking us up with this song. It's called Dead Seeds Barren Soil. From Horse Burner. It's the first song on the track from Horse Burner. It came out in 2016. They've also got a new album called Man of Stone. Check it out. Horse Burner, great band. They're actually from West Virginia, but they play all over the U.S. They tour a lot. Check them out. Good dudes and a great song. And we appreciate them for letting us use that song as our introduction song for White Men Can't Jump. Canada has given it its stamp of approval. Nice crunching guitar licks and riffs all over this baby. Gotta love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So check them out. Show them some love. And again, we're available anywhere you find podcasts, wherever that may be. I won't go through the list because you guys have heard it enough already. And we'll be back next week with another great jam packed show. We'll be talking about more teams from all over the NBA. We'll have more surprises in store, and uh, hopefully I won't rant too hard on Philly for signing Ben Simmons again, but it felt good to get that out. Uh, Tim, anything you want to add before we call it an evening? No, but we do have a public service announcement coming up at the end of the show. Oh, goodness. Well, let's get to it. Go ahead, Tim. Take it away. This, the following, is a public service announcement from the city of Philadelphia. Good evening. I am Dr. Rom Dobinson. <laughs> well, actually, I'm not really a doctor. I don't know very much about anything, and in fact, most of what I say is, is utter bullshit. However, it has come to my attention that there's a dreaded affliction in the city of Philadelphia. I'm calling it 76-eritis, or trusting the process. <laughs> now, there are a few signs of this you got to look for in your loved ones. If, they, uh, if you find that they are unable or unwilling to lift their arms above their shoulders in any way, this could be a direct result of watching too much 76ers basketball. <laughs> uh, it also manifests itself in other people who have uh, previous cases 
of low IQ and or dumb face. So now, when you spot this, do not attempt, I repeat, do not attempt to use any form of logic on these people. It is, <laughs> it is lost on them entirely. You might as well beat your head against a brick wall until it's bloody. These people will not get it. They are in desperate need of mental assistance. So, in, in conclusion, if you have a loved one or significant other who is clinging in desperation in the hopes that the Philadelphia 76ers may one day be led to NBA glory, do the following. First off, cut off your cable. <laughs> Second, find a, a jacket that's a little too big and restrain them while uh, distracting them with Cheetos and beers. <laughs> then, have a good friend. A have a good friend. <laughs> have a good friend. Drive them to the hospital under the guise that you're picking up season tickets for next year. <laughs> then find any doctor, a doctor even as bad as Tom Robinson, or Rom Tobinson, as I'm now known, will have these people committed immediately, and they'll be on a diet of Utah Jazz and Indiana Pacers games until they see the light. So this is all. The city of Philadelphia thanks you for being a patriot. Good night. If you see, if you have any deep fried cheese, you can email it, or actually, if you can't email it, email it to, Air Bo- to Ed Bogus, care of Wide Man Can't Jump. Peace. I ain't even gotta say it, that's just something they know. Thanks for listening to the Wide Men Radio Network located at blogtalkradio.com and at widemencantjump.com. Be sure to check out our blogs over at widemencantjump.com and also be sure to check out all the other shows that we put out. You can find us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. Also, at widemencanjump.com. Visit our store and buy some new t-shirts. They're available now in all sizes. This show is brought to you by the Law Offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com and by cambay.com. Be sure to visit cambay.com and use promo code WIDEMEN to get 20 free credits on your purchase. Thanks for listening again, and we'll see you next time for the next episode on the Wide Men Radio Network.